Lights, camera, action. And welcome to another edition of Movie Madness in association with Spitball and Pod. We hope you had a very Merry Christmas and hope you have a Happy New Year whenever you're listening to this. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Keenan Bonner. And the matchup we'll be getting into today is 1987's The Untouchables versus 2005's Hostage. Keenan, it has been 20 days since we last did one of these. How has your <laughs> festive break been and how are you doing today? Yeah, festive break was all right, mate. And so I'm pretty good. Back to work, which... That's not ideal. No, no, no. Not, not ideal at all. Um, but we It moved. hasn't warmed your brain up then, and you're going to be extra on form today. Absolutely not, no. To be honest, mate, it's just... <laughs> I, I, I honestly thought, a nice couple of breezy days back. No, sir. No, no, no sir. I was back in the office. Back in the office about an hour before things started to go wrong. I was like, right, fucking brilliant. Yeah, the last one we did was um, The Departed in Carlito's Way. Hmm. What have we put out since? Christmas one with uh, the Bad Santa interview and the Harold and Kumar interview. And then me and TK went through six Christmas scenes, including Goodfellas. Oh, TK, thanks for stepping up, mate. Much appreciated. Yeah. There we go. If we start with The Untouchables, the film that did make more money of the two, um, the synopsis, during the era of prohibition in the United States, federal agent Elliot Ness sets out to stop ruthless Chicago gangster Al Capone and because of rampant corruption, assembles a small hand-picked team to help him. I guess a good thing for us to maybe stretch out before we get too far into the film is if we were to spend 90 minutes picking apart the kind of historical inaccuracies of this, I don't really think that's the point of the film in general. That would also be boring as shit. Yeah. I, I, <coughs> mean, I don't even have this down as trivia. Basically, from the reading I did do, because I was, like I'd done with others, I think we did Black Mass and we did, okay, this is what happened in the film, this is what happened in real life. It's it's like it's a completely different thing, so there's literally no point in doing that because we won't even talk about the film. Mm. Essentially, all of this goes down Elliot Ness sits down with a ghostwriter to do his memoirs after the majority of the Untouchables have already passed away at this point. Um, supposedly, the, the simple way of doing this is Elliot Ness would explain, first of all, from his view, how these things happened. And I think we've all probably told stories, and so maybe you hand things up a bit yourself, maybe have yourself in a slightly better light. And even when he's doing that, the ghostwriter is saying, that sounds good, but do you not think it would sound better if this had happened? And so we've got kind of a skeletal truth going through the film, and then it's kind of Elliot Ness and his ghostwriter's take on things. This was then developed into a TV show. Uh, Warner Brothers, I believe it is, the studio, have these rights. The rights are coming to an end, and they essentially say, why don't we do a film as well? De Palma says... I'm not going to completely do what the TV show did. We're going to probably have somewhere in between from the book, the TV show, and just whatever works to make a great motion picture. So that's essentially how we get 1987's The Untouchables. Hmm. 
just I mean we'll get we'll get to certain bits of the film but Elliot Ness there's a lot of reading you can do on him um there was some controversy I think 2009-2010 there was going to be a statue or a building or something named after him in Chicago. And that caused a lot of people to kind of do some back digging into not so much the person he was, but whether he deserved this kind of monument or this, um, I don't know the right word, this kind of, uh, I guess, praise from the general public and uh, the people doing this. And the consensus seems to be Elliot Ness, the character. Yeah. Fair play, this guy probably deserves three statues. Elliot Ness, the actual person, worked hard, was a clean cop in a time when there was a lot of dirty cops about, but perhaps wouldn't be getting so much praise if there wasn't a book, a TV show, and a film on top of that. It's a strange thing to... Probably the same as anyone that has a statue, to be fair. (laughs) Excuse me, sorry, I keep clearing my throat. It's an odd thing to make... Joe, that's an odd thing to take umbrage with. Do you know what I mean? I guess people are saying that if you're going to put a statue up to someone that took down Capone, there's probably people whose names we don't know who did far more than he did, is I think what people are taking issue with. Yeah, but then if they don't know if they don't know the names, that's irrelevant. I, that's I mean just, if they do, I just haven't taken them down. Oh, sorry, I was gonna say that's just a semantic that's just ridiculous. I mean, uh, people point to um, say uh, the lawyer that pointed out the way to take him down, and the people who were involved in kind of doing the records and all these kind of things. Mm. Okay. Elliot Ness was very much a face for what was going on. There we go. Critics reviews. What are you expecting? Uh, I assume they'll be incredible. I assume they'll be very good. Yeah. Third De Palma film we've done already this season. Yeah. I can yeah, fair. Uh, the Untouchables is a terrific movie full of the same brand of fierce vitality that made the 1930s gangster films so compelling. Unlike some past De Palma films, The Untouchables makes some of its strongest impressions in sequences that build suspense and characterization without readily resorting to mayhem. Guess they're saying there's a bit more substance to this bit. <laughs> um, Costner's lack of charisma, Connery's arrogance, and Palmer's disinterest in his material add up to a pretty lame couple of hours. The action is great fun, the tension equally enjoyable, and the overall experience worthwhile, despite the fact that the good guy is about 100 times less interesting than the bad guy. Is it not? Isn't that always, always the case? I don't know. Um, I think it's certainly the case. A lot of people tuning into this, well, maybe I can't speak to them, but is because you've heard the name Al, Al Capone more than you've heard Elliot Ness, so I suppose it's a fair one in this in this case. I think it's the case in so many of the films that we, we, we've done and will do. Yeah, probably fair. Um, it's one of the all-time great gangster flicks, a gorgeously realised production that places archetypal heroes and villains in the service of a rip-roaring storyline. Before we even get into the trivia, I'm just closing my window if you hear anything I don't want. There you go. Um, the first thing I thought was that it's brave to cast De Niro here. Now, I spoke a little bit at the end of the Departed podcast about this. I'm not sure if we were still recording or not. And I basically said I wasn't really looking forward to seeing this. I hadn't seen it previously. And 
a film in which I essentially know what the ending's going to be, I couldn't see really how it was going to be an interesting film because it's not like, um, I mean, I complained about Lincoln, the fact that we didn't see him get capped, but I guess a simple comparison would be if I'm tuning in to see the Titanic, seeing the Titanic go down after crashing into an iceberg sounds far more interesting than seeing a guy taken down in court because he didn't file his tax returns correctly. So I wasn't quite sure what to expect. Now, I mean, it's very, very reductive, but okay, sure opinion. What, what do you mean? I was trying to, I couldn't work out how you could flesh out two hours of this and make it interesting in the way that I thought it was supposed to be interesting. Like, if I tuned in to see, and I've probably got the name of the film wrong. There was the one with Mark Ruffalo's spotlight. About the Catholic Church. Yeah. Now I uh, go into that and I, I don't know, know if it's called I don't know if it's called Spotlight, yeah, it but I, I assume this this was the um, film you were talking about. Now I know the way that Mark Ruffalo is taking them down in this film. So I have no expectation for there being any great action or anything like that. And so I wouldn't put it into that camp. So when I was looking into this and I see it build as kind of an exciting crime film I, I couldn't comprehend how we get to that point was the point i was making hmm. no, no. Now, you know, never had that when, issue but when you then cast de niro in this and the way they seem to be portraying capone from just i guess the first couple of scenes i thought it was brave in the sense that I didn't think they were trying to paint Capone as particularly charming in this film. And that's why I thought it was brave picking De Niro because he carries a certain charm, whether he's playing a toilet cleaner, whether he's playing the king of the world. I don't, there's kind of no in between. His charm kind of carries through the screen. So I thought having him in this role in the way that they were trying to hold Capone, I thought was brave getting him to chuck on a load of weight load of weight is an easy way to do that though well i've got a bit about that in the trivia actually but i just thought it, it takes away if the star of your film is supposed to be the untouchables and you've got costner i know wasn't as known at the time as a number of actors they approached before him sean connery that's why i thought going with de niro you could have picked a guy and you could have dressed him up as capone and i thought that would have made more sense to do now, De Niro obviously does it very well, but I, I just thought the approach, and I wrote this down two minutes into the film. I don't know what you think about that. No, I, I mean, I disagree, but I feel like we're going to disagree a lot this today. I don't know why you've... So, after Christmas, seems to have come back in a bad mood. I'm not in a bad mood at all. I, I enjoyed the film. I can tell you that up front now. I enjoyed it far more than I thought I was going to. Mm. Um, I just thought at the time, I didn't think that was how they were trying to do Capone. And I didn't think they lent into that if that's what they were trying to do. It felt like having De Niro and then kind of scaling him back almost. This is the first time you've seen this, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I didn't I, even know I, De Niro was in the film. I went in, I didn't know, I didn't know Sean Connery was in the film. I didn't even know you, De Palma until I, I did it afterwards. Uh, did you know Costner was in it? Um, no, in fact, I, I saw his face on it for a second. I was like, who is this? Because I'm maybe you see him a bit older. But 
yeah, well, make a lot more he gets, sense. Um, he, he, he gets a lot. He gets a lot bigger after this, basically. Yeah, this is his first um, star in film. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I knew nothing about it. And okay. so each thing I was taking down as I saw it. And that's, I thought if you were going to do a Capone film with Johnny Depp, then you'd perhaps do it the way that Black Mass is done. And I know very few people take any kind of praise from me saying that, but you would flip it and you would have it maybe be called Capone. And it's from his point of view rather than him being kind of on the back burner. Mm. Yeah. I, well, I mean, I think it's a diff, it's a different take on a familiar story. But you yeah. Think, I, if uh, I like, offered you, sorry. No, I was going to say, if you think oh, from that, that point, in terms of films about Al Capone, I mean, Jesus, they would have been what fourth in line at this point. No, actually, no. Yeah. Um, uh, I, if I offered you tomorrow to go to the cinema to see a film with Paul Capone with De Niro as Capone, or if I offered you, I guess, the plot of The Untouchables, where you're focusing on these guys trying to take down Capone, I have to imagine a lot of people are going to vote for more De Niro and being able to be to see more menace maybe no i mean i i assume you're you're right on that side of things that was all i thought and i thought it was an interesting way of doing things because you do perhaps appreciate more of the de niro you do get because his screen time is a lot less than you would expect when you see de niro's name on a poster yeah uh, i mean there's a <clears throat> i mean you say that he uh, does the same thing in goodfellas almost i mean he's like top billing in goodfellas but he's He's in it. He's in it a bit. You get a lot more bang for your buck in Goodfellas, though, don't you? Yeah, obviously. That's just the greatest film ever made. That's just. But I'm just making the point. He's like, he's like top billing there, but he's, yeah. he's actually in the film. He's like the third, he's like the fourth highest like, sort of screen time. So but I mean, you also this... don't ever get the feeling in Goodfellas that he's anything but top billing, even for his good as Ray Liotta is, in this you do very much feel like it's a Kevin Costner film more than a Robert De Niro film. Actually, you probably feel like it's, it's a Sean Connery film over anyone else. Yeah, it's, it's, it is a, a Sean Connery we, vehicle, mate. If we go through some of the trivia, um, <coughs> yeah, we'll see where we uh, get to. Um, Albert H. Wolf, the last survivor of the real-life Untouchables, was a consultant on this movie and helped Kevin Costner with his portrayal of Elliot Ness. Mm, nice. Um, Sean Connery's only Oscar nomination and win came from this film. Yeah, I can see that. And he does then get a fair amount of criticism for the fact that he's playing an Irish American while using his native Scottish accent. I fucking love that. It's so funny. <laughs> it's so funny. I'd hate it. I I I hate it, but I love it. I feel like. It, I, I, I feel like he's walked on set and sort of let it It spun me because um, you have the scene where they go to the shooting range to pick up um, the final member of their Untouchables and he's obviously dishing out the um, Italian insult. And then the guy comes straight back and says, uh, I'd expect nothing more from an Irish whatever. And I thought, is he playing an Irishman? <laughs> is that what they're doing here? It I... so, like, took me off, off centre. I... I genuinely can't believe that he hasn't. Like they probably, I reckon they've probably asked him about it. And he was just—he's got on set. I was like, nah, look, lads, not for me. There's some, there's some great stories you can look up from this, um, and the way that 
he was um, on the set for this film, mainly because he knew he was the big dog on this film, and so he acted like it. And, uh, and there was days when he just turned up in his golf gear, and Legend. they would say, like, what, what, what do you think you're doing here? And so they would essentially just do some of his, like, promo shots and then send him away and he'd go and play golf and come back and do, like, half a day of filming. And supposedly the younger guys, like Costner, would be really put out and they'd be like, you've just had a whole day playing golf. And supposedly the line he kept using was, I've got to tell you, boys, uh, this isn't my first barbecue. And, <laughs> and he would just do this repeatedly. Anytime he had a golf day, he'd essentially tur- turn up in his golf attire wait for them to say look we're not gonna just you go we'll call you when you need you and then he'd just come back as and when he fancied and do his thing yeah fair play to him but you have to think he's in like most scenes up until the point where his character takes his end so i don't know what they were doing without him there no i don't know either (laughs) but i like i like a lot of um I don't know if you found it in the trivia but you you don't hear about too many stories about this one being off the rails whilst trying to film it like, no, I think no. De Palma, there are films where it's like fucking ice, like Scarface, etc. For example, you know, we we spoke about the trouble they had with that, and then you don't, it, yeah. it seems to have just made it work. De Palma's one of them, he signed it over, De Palma signed it over the whole player, just looking for one good year out of him. Basically, that's that's what that is. Look, and he, he, he gets it to be fair. I mean, he gets yeah. Oscar nomination out of him. You got to think for De Palma, that's probably quite a pat on the back for him as much as, as it is for Connery. Yeah, this is like when I when I once signed a forty-year-old Rivaldo on foot on footy manager back in the day from Olympiacos, got criticised by the fans for the, and the media, ended up winning Player of the Season in the Championship, and, and I won the league. You can probably quote Connery's career to me far better than I would be able to. Is this an Oscar you think that is because of the performance he put in, or is it an Oscar nomination of? 50-50. Sure how many of these you're going to get left and so 50-50. Because did just nobody take issue with the accent thing? Like, as you said, Definitely. I kind of thought it was I mean, apparently not. Once he said Irish, <laughs> I was like, what the hell? I, I think it's funny as fuck. I really do. Like, every time I watch this. So, if you think about it, he's in, from knowledge, I might be wrong, he's in a couple of little bits, couple of little bits, couple of little bits, couple of bigger roles, gets Bond, 1960 something early early 60s I think it, I off I think it's 62 that Dr No came out so I'm pretty sure he's 60 years uh, 80 years no 60 years dickhead Christ alive yeah. my master's terrible I'm sure it's 60 years next year but yeah. I might I might be wrong becomes Bond does six Bond films that I do actually just know is true he does he does six Bond films Across, uh, across actually, that's a very good point. Nine years. No, I'm actually now. I now I'm looking. So does six bond over nine years? Does Murder on the Orient Express? The Money Would Be King. I mean, um, I don't know actually. Maybe he could have got what he he could have got some before. Yeah. No, he does never. No, he doesn't. He does never say never again, doesn't he? <laughs> he comes. He does one in eighty three, and then he doesn't do. Great. Does he's in Highlander actually? Um, I don't. I could see the point. Sorry. Long story short, th- this is probably where this is the most Oscar not worthy, but yeah, I get what you're saying. Like this You've is the to... film. It's big enough to be there. Like he's a he's the, he's is there as I mean supporting character and so on. I mean, 
like Indiana Jones isn't wasn't going to win an, an Oscar for the acting. Do you know what I mean? And nor was James Bond. Yeah, he definitely wasn't winning it for the acting. Indiana Jones. Dear no, but you, but you know my point, didn't you? Yeah. You see, sort yeah. of see my point. And then it's after the, that, the conversation in the studio was essentially, look. Do you want to go with an Irish accent or do you want Sean Connery? They've gone, okay, all right, we'll take Sean Connery. And that's yeah, probably as far so. as the conversation went when someone's pointed out, if you're not going to do an accent, and he's, he's Sean Connery, look. If you wanted to do an accent, he'd have done one. Because he's not like he hasn't read the script. So he's he just thought, if someone corrects me, maybe I'll give it a go. I think we said before, I don't know how easily you can bend a Scottish accent into another one. That seems, particularly one like his. Yeah, it is. is. I, don't, I actually don't, sorry. I was going to say it's unique, but I don't know if that's true. I, I it don't sounds think. like a caricature, his accent. Uh, each time I think it's almost like a joke at first, and then it, it's, it's not. Mm. But it's um, one of them where I, I, I think you're right. He, he's probably walked on and just said, like, oh, this is how I'm going to play it, and they just went, all right. Um, an envelope is dropped on the desk of Elliot Ness in one scene, which is presumed to be a bribe. Um, the amount inside is never revealed. In real life, Al Capone promised Elliot Ness that two $1,000 bills would uh, be on his desk every Monday morning if he turned a blind eye to his bootlegging activities, which would equate to roughly around um, 30000 uh, a day if he turned a blind eye uh, today. Um, Ness refused a bribe and in later years actually struggled with money. Um, he died almost broke at the age of 54. The way that's written is like, well, certainly, yeah, yeah, yeah. that is exactly how that's written. So, well, uh, when is he didn't have money making opportunities? Um, the scene in which Al Capone pulls out a baseball bat at a dinner party and suddenly beats one of his men to death is based on a true incident which happened on May the 7th, 1929. Two of Capone's most feared hitmen, Albert Anselmi, Albert Anselmi and John Scalisi, hatched a plot to kill Capone and take over his gang. Capone got wind of it, invited all of his associates to a dinner, including the two hitmen. And then in the middle of the party, pulled out a baseball bat and beat both men to death, then shot them both in the head after, to be sure. Because you don't get much of a build-up to it in this, do you? It's like no. it's, it's essentially a scene to say he's been a bit charming in the first when he gives the look to the camera, doesn't he, when um, he gets cut while shaving. Yeah. And then this is essentially saying, no, he's still not a man to mess with. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's quite low-key, and then it's... <laughs> very, very violent very quickly um, one of the things which I, I did think while watching like I texted you um, while watching it so in real life Al Capone knowing that killing a prohibition agent would only lead to more trouble than Hero's outfit could handle actually had a non-violence order to his men concerning the untouchables while mm-hmm. Capone did repeatedly attempt to buy them off he never once attempted to kill Elliot Ness or any of his men yeah and, and if it weren't for, that, weren't for these, he would have got away with it. If it wasn't for these, he would have got away with it for years. Because the only thing that it stopped so many of them. That did bother me in the film. Not even so much, um, probably the last half an hour, I'd say, mm. where just seemingly everyone just forgets who they are. Like the police officers aren't police officers anymore. And everyone concerned with Capone is basically just out on the street, just doing whatever the hell they fancy. Um, 
talk a bit more about the ending, but to the point where one of his guys, when he's escorted from the courtroom, just starts firing at a police officer. It's like, mm. what? this just wouldn't have, he just wouldn't have done this. <laughs> this makes no sense for everything that he's concerned with. So, very strange, but I guess that equates to part of the name of the uh, Untouchables as well, by the fact that they were so high profile and the fact that they were police officers, he couldn't touch them, as, a, as alluded to there. Yeah, no, exactly. We, I, I do like, and I know we like them when we've done the podcast, some uh, behind-the-scenes De Niro stories um, from uh, how he likes to act. So, I wonder what his Niro... thoughts on the... Sorry, I was going to say, I don't know if this is what you're going to tell me, but I wonder what his thoughts on the uh, Connery rocking up. No, I don't have anything on that. <laughs> uh, we know, and we had it when we did um, Joker, and supposedly he did hold quite a respect for um, Joaquin Phoenix. You've got to imagine that the respect he has for Sean Connery. Yeah. Probably one of the guys he's not going to be feeling like he can son in any kind of way. Maybe. He might have given him a few looks, but... No, I don't know. They're also I... rarely... In, I don't think they... I think they share one scene. Yeah, and it's not... So it might be, like... You it's not known until afterwards. <laughs> yeah, but you have to imagine from what you're saying, it's held him up. It's it's going to have to have held him up at some point. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but what I was going to say is, um, De Niro uh, actually tracked down Al Capone's original tailors and had them making some identical clothing for the movie. The studio, if they're anywhere near budget at that time, I've got to be fuming because the next thing I'm going to tell you is. Um, De Niro insisted on wearing the same style of silk underwear that Al Capone wore, even though it would never be seen on camera. Uh, the producers, knowing De Niro's reputation as a method actor, gave in. So he just wanted some free pants, basically. <laughs> Legend. <laughs> some nice uh, silkies for his uh, long days on set. And the weight gain that you alluded to earlier... Um, De Niro actually didn't have the time to gain the extra weight needed for the role, so he had to wear pads and pillows for the desired effect of looking like the chunkier Capone. Hmm, fair play. Because he does, he doesn't. He looks quite slim in the first scene, doesn't he? Where he's in um, the barbershop. In the in the face. Yeah, and that was what I thought at first, and then the next time you see him is when he stood up, and you can see obviously whether he's put on weight or that he's got the padding around him to be uh, a lot heavier. He's still not as chubby as, I guess, most guys would play Al Capone as, but if he hasn't put on the weight, I guess it's a, they don't want to make it look too kind of cartoonish. Yeah. If they're just wrapping massive pillows around him. The baby in the carriage at the train station was the stunt coordinator's son, so I guess the risk was on him there. That bit was going right through me. They'd already hit the point where it was uncomfortable. Um, Like, watching the woman try and get the pushchair up the steps and it just seemed yeah. to keep going to the point where I wanted to go and just help, help her get it up the steps or he should have just stopped looking it's insane um, despite the final courtroom scene in this movie the real Al Capone and Elliot Ness never came face to face during their battles um, yeah. at the end of the film reporter Scoop asks Ness what he'll do if they repeal prohibition to which he replies, I think I'll have a drink. Elliot Ness later did become a heavy drinker and even got involved in an alcohol-related traffic accidents. Yeah. And there's a drink drive, Clive. 
they leave that quite open, don't they? The police chief that rats out um, when they're going to take the uh, one of Capone's guys to the safe house that gets uh, your man, the lawyer, clipped. Mm. That he kind of just gets left, doesn't it? Yeah. I don't know. I guess he doesn't tell anyone, does he? he Connery goes to intimidate him on his by himself, then goes home, and then gets taken out. So no, exactly. Yeah. Um, in the original script, the final gunfight had Elliot Ness and George Stone battling Capone's gunmen on a stopped train. Brian De Palma conceived the gunfight on the steps in Chicago's Union Station when Paramount Pictures decided that the staging of the scene and finding a 1930s period train would be too expensive. De Palma then later modified the battle on the train sequence he planned for the movie and used it in Carlito's way. Hmm. That's interesting. A nice little, nice little carry-on. Yeah, it's also... I mean, 1993, so, I mean, where are you in Carly? It was where, 70s, right? Uh, yeah, sounds about right. Late, late 70s, early, early yeah. 80s, so it's, it's, see, it's a little bit easier to use like a, 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 a subway a subway car, I suppose. They actually don't have the, the gunfire on the train either, do they? It's in the station. No. It's just kind of him chasing up, up and down. Oh, we had sorry. The trivia from, we had the trivia from that where... It took him like three months to film, didn't it? Because in the heat of summer, Pacino was having to roll around in that leather jacket still. No, that's it. Yeah, you are right. Um, One point about Capone's trial that never showed up in the movie, he attempted to plea bargain before the trial, but the judge wouldn't hear of it. He did then attempt to bribe the jury, and when the judge found out, he promptly switched him. Have you got this thing about Bob Hoskins written down? Um... That's one of the few I don't have down. I do have some of the other um, casting what ifs. So I don't know. Obviously, I don't know if this is true. I just read this online, but I'm going to read it out anyway because yeah, yeah. I think it's quite. I think it's quite cool if it is true. If not, so it's so lovely. The Palmer met with Bob Hoskins to discuss the role in case De Niro. Excuse me, director's first choice for the part turned it down. When De Niro took the part, the Palmer mailed Hoskins a check for his contract if yeah, twenty thousand yeah. with a thank you note. Which prompted Hoskins to call up the De Palma and ask him if there are any more movies he didn't want him to be in. <laughs> so I didn't know the figure. Um, the trivia, when I read it, described it as simply a six-figure payout. Which I mean, as as much as twenty thousand is, it sounds like he's got something like even even upwards of that when um, yeah. know, it's being explained. But yeah, you still that's that's like um, in the UFC they do it where they get someone to weigh in for a title fight um, in case one of the top two um, kind of falls out with sickness or um, can't make the fight if it's like a big MSG card and he hasn't even had to do that he's just said he'd be willing to do it basically hmm. Fair. Um, some of the others though that were linked um, the supposed first choice for Elliot Ness was Don Johnson who was off yeah. the role Um he declined it. Kevin Costner, who's a good friend of uh, Johnson, later accepted the part. Don said he congratulated Costner on getting the role and never told him he was offered the part first until several years later in order not to offend Costner nor steal any of the thunder from his acclaim. But he has dropped, he has then dropped basically. <laughs> Kevin, Co- Kevin Costner becomes bigger than him, and then, and then he's, he's gone. Yeah. Don Johnson's got fucking ass all because of me, mate. That Miami Vice juice has started to wear out. Yeah, that, is, that essentially sounds like what's happened. Don Johnson's yeah. had a couple of beers with, with Big Kevin. He's saying, well, look, it, it should have been me. He doesn't look like a guy that would ever be particularly bashful. 
Who, Don Johnson? Yeah. No, for great in Knives Out. Yeah, that's literally what I'm picturing it as. Um, uh, there had been talk that Brian De Palma was going to direct a prequel titled The Untouchables Capone Rising. Yeah. Nicolas Cage was considered to play a young Al Capone in the movie at that time. I'd probably get behind that. <laughs> you would, but probably for the wrong reasons. Oh, yeah, it'd be fucking batshit crazy, but why not? <laughs> um, according to De Palma's making of documentary, Mel Gibson was interested in playing Elliot Ness, but couldn't yeah. commit to the role because he was already signed to a Warner Brothers project that was scheduled at the same time as this movie. That project turned out to be Lethal Weapon. Everyone got to eat in 1997. I, I was going to say, I can't, I can't say... He, I don't know. He's not. He's not. He's not. He ain't really made a bad choice there. He's managed no, to make four lethal weapons. Yeah. Um, and became any, America's darling for a while until it turned out he was, a, he was a fucking massive racist and homophobe. Yeah. And any police officer or federal agent seen drinking alcohol on screen in this movie is killed. <laughs> and finally, Marlon Brando refused five million for two weeks' work as Al Capone during early casting. Brando in the 80s. How old would he have been? I'm not sure, to be honest, did he? Because, I mean, De Niro, he'd be like 40. Less, probably younger than that. Uh, I suppose Brando would have been in his 60s. What was he doing in uh, What was he doing in 87? Should we have a look? Yeah, well, I was going to say with De Niro, it feels to me like maybe he'd have passed up on the film, but I don't know if he can turn that down. If he's being asked, do you want to play Capone? It's probably one of them, no matter who's directing it, no matter how big the part, his ego or whatever else means he's not going to be able to turn that down. Who, De Niro? Yeah. Maybe. Doing nothing, the guy who's 87, for by the way. Movies already at this point and then is offered to play Capone. Marlon Brando, right, is the only guy I've ever seen on Wikipedia that has a... Excuse me, is this in there? No, it's in there. incomplete. Yeah, she has a subsection on his wiki that says film projects turned down or incomplete. Blimey. And the list is fucking huge. <laughs> um, He was doing niche in 87. No film, no TV, no music video, no video game. He obviously made enough money that he can turn down five mil for two weeks' work. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with Brando in the Maybe, in the, maybe uh, some uh, of these guys... Just didn't want to do mob movies for a bit. Why? Maybe. What, Godfather 2 is right around this time. What, 87? No, he's already made it. No, no, no. No, made how, that fucking. How, how much earlier? <sighs> oh, God. He's not in the Godfather 2, mate. Eight years earlier. Oh, yeah, sorry. Um, so, 16 years earlier? He was in the Godfather? Yeah, okay. It's hard, for, it's hard for him to be in the second one, considering he. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking of um, uh, De Niro. Um, do you think once you play the part like in The Godfather, you probably had so many mob movie offers, it's, it must be hard to differentiate what the serious ones or what the legit good ones are from, from the rest. And you know, I just thought, yes, you'd rather be at home than make the five mil. Oh, I mean, maybe. I, I I don't know. I mean, but he'd done... The, what do you call it? The Godfather wasn't the first mob mob film he was in. I mean... It's the one so, he's most renowned for, surely. Well, obviously. But nonetheless, well, it I isn't... Mean, 
it it, it wasn't the first one. I mean, he's in it on the waterfront, which great film, great great film. Um, do, do you know what I mean? So he he, he did have been and done before. I mean, he doesn't play a mobster, but it's a film about the mob. But I'm trying to think of some reason why you turn down that kind of cash. I don't know. I'm sure someone would be able to tell us. And maybe personal problems. You know, he, he had a few of them through. Yeah. Um, for 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 right, his life. So, so just strange. You'd have thought. I'm not complaining. I don't don't know. Would he have been able to put, pull it off then? I don't, who knows? 14th of April, we'll be doing on the waterfront. <laughs> Sensational. Sensational. Can boys against? No. Fight club. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Um, the Untouchables then. I assume you are a fan. I am a fan. I had a couple of things I wanted to... Um, mention that I took down whilst um, watching. First thing, loved the wardrobe in general, just during this. The kind of detective slash um, uh, like the untouchables with their little little hats and their their, their long coats. Um, Capone in his uh, three in his three piece suits. Um, not even the wardrobe, but just the cars just taking it down to really kind of immerse you in there. Uh, it being the thirties, I thought they did a great job from very early on of kind of bringing you straight into the world of the Prohibition era. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I like the little news conferences where essentially you can cut out having to add an extra twenty minutes. You are you ask three questions from the reporters in that time. They mention a couple just to kind of set the scene and lay out where you are at this point. Um, yeah, I thought it was really well done in that regard. When I first saw the scene to begin with, with um, Capone in the barbershop, I did wonder if it was going to be told. If not from his point of view, there was at least going to be several check-ins with him. And that was going to be an easy way of him kind of fleshing out his character just kind mm. of answering the questions from journalists. Um, I do now know that the reason they opened with that is uh, the original ending in the script was he's back being interviewed again, um, having his hair cut, and then it zooms out, and he's in a prison cell while this is being done, and that's how they were going to end the film. But instead, they went with um, Elliot Ness saying, well, I'd have a drink, and going about it that way. I don't know. I didn't go like that. That, that's 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 the reason for for why they opened with it. Yeah, you know, but I think I like that as an ending. It would make more sense for the opening because usually I'm generalising, but in most cases the guy you see first is your main guy, and so I do think when you then veer away from that, and it doesn't make as much sense. But um, certainly an interesting way of doing it. Do you know? I know obviously everyone knew who Capone was, but He's quite blunt in some of the things he says to the reporters in this, where he all but does say, I kill people, <laughs> without saying, I kill people. I don't know I don't believe how Al- blase he'd have been about these things. I don't believe Al Capone ever hid his intentions. I mean, obviously not... did enough to not be being locked up, but... No, but the point is, that was because he paid off half... The old point of yeah, the film yeah, is he obviously he's, way, he's yeah. weighing out an awful lot of money to yeah. to keep himself out of trouble, so I don't think... At the same the old, time, the point about the film is it's an open secret. Yeah. 
Well, no, I, I don't even think it was that, mate. It's an open secret that he's way, he's weighing out, he's weighing out every Tom, Dick, and Harry who just happens to be a they, copper. They couldn't catch him was because they couldn't tie his fingers to any of it. And so I thought with some of the things he says in this, just even saying things like um, where I'm from, a quiet word and a gun gets further than a quiet word its own and little things like that. I just wasn't sure. Maybe there's some things we can I can rapidly read up on. Is he not time man of the year? Or am I just completely completely making that <laughs> up? It I mean far worse people probably have been on that cover. So Oh no sorry he was Trump on the, he was... and Kim Jong un have the cover at one point <laughs> the cover like literally in the last three years. I don't know if he was man of the year, right, but he was he was on the cover in like nineteen thirty. <laughs> I swear to God, I I honestly think he was time Times Man of the Year, but I actually can't substantiate that. Al Capone, Time Man of the Year. Uh, Al Capone was Times Man of the Year for 1930. Oh yeah, he was. Yeah. So I mean, what were they? What 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 were they saying about him? Do you, do you know what I mean? I can just see the cover, but I mean, I mean, it's a pretty nice cover. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, it's not a bad photo at all. No, no, it's not. He's had his hair done. Looks like he's had his eyebrows plucked a bit, so he's not got the full mono. I mean, he's got a good shave there. I've got mm. a polka dot tie. Alphonse Scarface Capone right there on the front cover. Related categories, organised crime. I mean, uh, March 24th, 1930. Um, it doesn't say he was mad if he was mad of the year, but why search? Times Man of the Year. He was on definitely on a cover, but I didn't know if he was. Yeah, um... on March twenty fourth, nineteen thirty, Time Magazine released its annual Man of the Year issue, and the cover boy was a bit of a surprise. Chicago mobster Al Capone, Al Capone had earned his spot. Hmm. Well, there you go. Uh, yeah, there you go. Um, and then by the time the next year's issue came out, he was due to stand trial for his life. <laughs> Says. What a cool poster though, so uh it's done well there. Um so many other things um I took down. Um essentially they have the kind of interview process, don't they, in the shooting range. Um uh, one guy pulls a gun, the other guy has a stutter. Um the job goes to the guy who's willing to um pull a gun out on what will be a senior. <laughs> the other guy is literally ruled out for stuttering. Well, so, well, someone's got a gun straight at him. Yeah. <laughs> it's, <clears throat> Mate, sometimes there's the breaks. Um, I took down as well, uh, just a thought I had during the film. Um, when Ness meets Capone in the lobby mm. and essentially just says, should we fight right here and now? I'd have liked if they'd just gone the way that like Tarantino does in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where he just rewrites history. And... They could just have a scrap in the lobby there. Maybe Ness lets him off at the end after a beatdown like an end of watch, where he's like, you know what? We settled the score with our fists. I'm not going to arrest you now. And then Capone goes about his day saying what great guys the untouchables are. If Tarantino doesn't do it, maybe Spitball and Paul Movie Manus Productions, then uh, maybe it's something we do. (laughs) Or just throw throw an hand in me. Yeah, there you go. Yes. Exactly. He's like, look, you're more of a man than I thought you were. Yeah. You're a great guy. Turns out. We'll see you later. But you've got to remember, you know me. I'm a two-time felon. 
Yeah. Still one of my favourite lines ever. So funny. This, um, you could probably tell me, is it a sign of the time? Like, you're having this headshots and things like that. There's very little kind of blood spatter any other than just kind of behind the head, particularly in the, the train station scene. Is that just a usual thing? Is that to keep the rating down? Is there any, is it just people didn't really bother doing that at this point? I don't know. Uh, I mean, keeping the rating down. In The Departed, for example, which I Yeah, um, keeping the rating down, you would assume, I know this is like peak cocaine, cocaine era Hollywood, but a little bit more conservative, you'd argue. Um, so there, there is that. I mean, in to is it might even have been, was it a smaller caliber bullet? Maybe you, well, I don't know. I'd say you'd know better, like you're in a about paying people, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I assume a lot of it has will would do with, although I don't know. You make a good point. The final question I had if you could go back, if you could maybe get into Palmer's ear or whatever, would you change the ending of this film? And I'd say probably the last half an hour. Just there's some things, and it didn't take away whether I enjoyed the film or not, but it certainly detracted from how I viewed the film. And I'm saying probably from when they escort the guy with the gun out of the courtroom. I have no issue with Sean Connery surviving that many bullets. Um, I think that's just kind of a film thing. Genuinely, that didn't bother me at all. If he'd survived, I wouldn't have had it against him. Him coming out from when he's firing at the policeman, running up the running up the steps. The court case is still going on, by the way. Nobody even bothers to come out of there. Yeah. And then, even then, I was still kind of in. And then when he throws him off the roof, it was like, this literally just detracts from everything you've done in the whole rest of the film. I don't know he has the one quote in there where he says, I've become everything that I've sworn to kind of serve against, but I just didn't really think it made sense with his character. Like the actual guy, Elliot Ness, for all the things that they um, kind of uh, change in this, the guy was renowned for not even wanting to carry a gun because he was against guns that much and he was against violence. He was very by the book in that regard. Yeah. And so the whole just throwing him off the roof thing, having a little tagline where he says he's in the car, I, I didn't really think it made sense for what had happened in the one hour 50 previous. Fair show. And then the only other thing after that is in the courtroom very quickly where they change the jury and then Capone is giving both barrels to his lawyer and says, do something. And the guy just says, we, ret- we, retract our stand- we retract our plea. We're now guilty. And then everyone's kind of celebrating. And this is one of the, the biggest things in history to this point. And you kind of played it off like it was a bit of like a like a playground ending, like it was very much, okay, you just shoved me now, I'm just going to send you down, don't worry about it, is the lawyer. It, it just seemed a weird way for what you've built up to the entire film, the taking down of Capone, to kind mm. of trivialise it, like in the way they do. The, um, the roof thing's odd, because for many reasons, basically what you said, but also because not even rem- like remotely true. No, the guy it, he chucks off the roof, it, it's Frank Nitty he chucks off the roof, isn't it? Well, I was he, doing some reading and I thought it was just gonna, I was gonna spend the whole pod saying 
this didn't happen, this didn't happen. No, no, I know, I know, no, I know, but I realize you're, you're probably right. But in no, terms sorry, of, I, I couldn't tell you if you're right when you're saying, oh, that, sorry, basically, if. I mean, I, I won't check it because you're right. If we see, if we start doing one, well, we could do, we could do a hundred. But if it's the guy, the guy he kills is the guy I think it is. I'm sure it's been. I mean, I watched this on Tuesday. No, it, it, is, it is, it is, it is. Frankly, basically, the guy he killed, <coughs> yeah. excuse me, was ended up running the outfit in Chicago, and he died in like. He, he ended up killing himself. I did read about this guy yesterday. You're right. I was I was thinking I had to think about someone who was thrown off a roof. No, no, no. Sorry. Yeah. No, he ended up running the outfit and he shot himself. It was in. I think he was in jail. Yeah. And he shot. He shot no, himself. He he he. he um, no, the guy um, went to kill himself. He was due to go to prison, and mm. he actually missed his own head. <laughs> he tried to shoot himself in the head and he missed, and then stayed on a um, rail track. Oh. Well, yeah, I know he ended up killing himself, but yeah. like in terms of the whole scale of this is wrong, this is wrong. I know there's other big things, but that just that's what like it. There's no what 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 are you trying to indicate that he's changed because of what he's seen? You, I mean, you can do that in other ways, and it's just it is a very pointless scene. Although it is quite funny, like your friend squealed like an Irish pig. Yeah. It's, it's it like do you sound like that? They could have cut out that whole sequence. Um, you can even get that guy arrested in the meantime, whether um, it's something to do with the pistol or whether he goes to draw it and then you're shooting in the leg or something and then it's like you're going to mm. pay for the crimes that you've committed or whatever, whatever. Um, the thing where he has the note in his pocket is supposed to be a link because, as we've as you've referenced, they did not have everyone in their pockets, so the mayor was making allowances for his guys to carry guns and things like that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I thought if you could have spent that time doing this chase scene in the courtroom, which we're all tuned into the film to see you take down Capone, I thought in the end they made it look like there's genuinely there's more kind of courtroom lawyery stuff in Liar Liar than there is in this. It's insane how quickly the guy just says, we retract our plea, you know, he's now guilty, and then that's it. Two minutes later, you're out of the courtroom, and um, Ness is being asked about whether he can have a drink or not. Mm. Just, a, just a little thing. Like I said, I still thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and it probably, if it wasn't done about... Capone, I, I don't usually have an issue with the whole. I had to turn into something I wasn't to be able to get the results I needed to. Mm. Um, I mean, we, we're covering about ten of them films just in this bracket. But as you say, you got you got the speech in Donnie Brasco as well, haven't you? Yeah, similar it thing. Was just it was just a bit like for a film that's quite literally about the taking down of Capone. Yeah, you spent more time taking down his best mate. Yeah. But that's, I guess, a minor issue in the grand scheme of two hours. Just it was just I, I text TK straight after because we were speaking about it um, before I watched it on Tuesday, and he was like, "I don't know why you keep saying this because I'm almost certain you're going to like the film." So I texted him, so I enjoyed that. So just the ending just seems so hammed up, like it just. And he said that probably reflects my thoughts on the film uh, in general. Um, 
because even a little bit like them, right, them riding out on horseback on the Canadian border, I was kind of like, if you're going to make this kind of film, you do need a few scenes like this. Mm. But I thought you would usually have, you'd bend the truth to get to your final point, not then bend kind of your final point. But it yeah. seems like I'm moaning a lot. I, I did, I did really enjoy the film. It's rated about eight on IMDb, I think. And okay. I don't, I don't disagree. I'd probably have it at like seven, seven and a half. Mm. Um, I like, I do like the film. I, yeah. I even I even thought it was a good rewatch. I wasn't sure. In my head, I wasn't. I, I wasn't. Like I wasn't sure. Two and a half the... hour job. Yeah, it. I. So did I. Actually, it's strange you say that because when it's clocked in at two hours, I was very, very pleasant. I was very sort of presently surprised. Yeah. Shall um, we go on to either film and then we'll loop back round on? Yeah. 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 So. Hostage, then, um, quite the opposite of what I said about that ending. This is obviously a very intelligent um, thriller. Um, the synopsis when a family is held hostage, former hostage negotiator Jeff Talley arrives at the scene. Talley's own family is kidnapped, and Talley must decide which is more important saving a family he doesn't even know or saving his own family. Off the bat, one of the worst synopsis. I've ever I've ever read. What the hell is the point in advertising it like that? Because there's no way Jeff Talley thinks which one of these do I think is more important, my own family or the other one? And he doesn't even have to worry about that in the film as it's going on. So no, fair. How about there? You hadn't seen the film before. I had I not. Um, I'd seen it once. I saw, I borrowed it. What um, a kid I went to school with in about year eight or nine, I think. Borrowed it from his brother's DVD collection, actually. Mm. Um, I think I'd probably just seen Die Hard. And I think I'd probably been told what a big guy uh, Bruce Willis was. And this must have been the next one on the list. I must have told someone I'd seen this, and they said, "You want to see Hostage?" Um, this this is two thousand and five, isn't it? So yeah, that probably yeah. is about right. Two thousand and five. I was in year seven. Um, yeah, probably is about right that I would have seen this. Right, two years later, so probably why it was recommended to me. So it was newish at the time. What are you expecting from the critics' reviews? Not good. If I give you a first one and you tell me if you how accurate you think it is. Um, two words. Brainlessly efficient. Brainlessly efficient? Yes goes against your uh, comment of it being a intelligent thriller somewhat, yeah, doesn't I thought, it? I thought you were going to uh, swap me down and then you just left it to hang there. I think that sums it up <coughs> quite well, to be honest with you. In my head, it was a lot longer. Um, so again, both films clock in at around an hour 50. Don't think you get anything from this that you don't expect to get from the film. No, no, I, I think you're right. Um I don't know. It's, it's, it's sort of what I expected. Yeah. Well, got, when it comes to Bruce Willis, you've got like top tier, you've got stuff he's out, and then you've got just like the rake of 30 other films he's made that are just absolutely shit. And so, this falls somewhere in that last category. This, they thought, was going to um, jungle up a bit more success than it did. I think it made just over the budget, like barely. Um, mm. Essentially, this was sold as Bruce Willis wants to get back into the kind of diehard actiony films that you love him making. 
is essentially yeah. um, what they feel this as. Um, he goes into this um, as one of his early production jobs as well. So he's a producer on this as well as um, starring in it. And I think you can tell that in there's a certain number of Bruce Willis tropes that maybe he thinks people want to see that when you get it all together, it's going to be a, a wild generalization. I don't cool. know how you feel. I think it's dangerous when some of these guys produce their own films. I think you need a strong director on there where these guys who've been in the business for a long time, someone, whether it's like a Pacino or something. So Pacino on Carlito's way, for example, can say, this is what I think Carlito should do. Mm. But you also need someone there that's strong enough to say, I respect your opinion, but on this point, we're not going to do that. And I think when it's Bruce Willis producing his own film here, um, it looks like no one's told him no at any point. <laughs> well, it's one of them, isn't it? He's been, ar- been around the block a while, for a long time at this point. And you have to presume after doing so many action films, he probably thinks he knows the game, forgetting that in so many of those other points he had someone giving him the direction and, and sort of being in, being in charge. Good players yeah. don't always good players don't always make good managers. At this point, the guy that the guy that directs the film has done two foreign films, and he's worked on a video game, and then he's brought in to do Hostage. Hmm. You've got to, th- and he, he doesn't do another big film after that. So, I've got to think that Bruce Willis is calling the shots at least as much as him, if not more. Yeah. And that's what I just sometimes I think if you're going to produce and we've seen just on um, The Departed, not everyone is going to be like Brad Pitt where they're like, I can't do this. Someone else should come in. And then Brad Pitt still gets to do the production work, but it's from the outside looking in on The Departed. It's not Leo as a producer while The Departed's on. It's not this, that. Let the actors do the acting there. Let the producers do the producing, the directors do the director. I don't know. The I've got one real issue with the film, which I'll get onto when um, we've done the trivia because there's like two pieces of trivia in the, in, for the whole film. Yeah, go on. Then. But um, to the reviews, mostly a nerve jangling thriller, but you know there's something not quite right about a movie when you're wondering more about why such a plush mansion on fire doesn't have a better sprinkler system. That wasn't what I was thinking, but it is very true. (laughs) Um, It revels in a sort of operatic vulgarity, and once the story exhausts its over-the-top cheesiness, there are still a few loose ends to tie up, and so the film drags on. That's what I kind of took from you when I texted you about it yesterday. Yeah. I mean, drags on's probably probably a bit harsh because it is only an hour 40 and it doesn't feel much longer than that but i i don't know it was just a lot of it there's a couple of couple of like peaks but it plateaus at very average for long spells of the film for all i've just said i did thoroughly enjoy rewatching it fair fair Um, enough uh it did what i wanted it to do when i stuck it on it half one um yeah, you've watched, you've watched that so late. I don't, I know you're not I, I working, that's, but... That's, that's probably the right time to be tuning in. Oh, I really enjoyed it when I watched it. I um, watched it last night, early. I, realized, I basically 
my days at the moment are dictating around the darts, so it's like oh I've mate, watched... I, I'm, sure I'm fucking raging arm at work. <laughs> I managed, I, I watched... managed to watch. I watched half hour of Suter and uh, Ridge oh, yeah, earlier. That's, that's and not I had to go back to it. Yeah, I had to look at about one o'clock because I didn't. I took my lunch late, so I like, had enough bodies yeah. in, in my team. Yeah, I've had to look at that Mervyn King game. Yeah. Big man, big man Merv coming back like that. Oh, our game last night, honestly, fucking sensational. So I watched the afternoon session yesterday and then I watched the Untouchables and then I watched the second session. And then mm. I got a bit carried away on Football Manager, um, won the Europa League with Brighton. So all's well that ends well. What's your um, team? Uh, I still got some. I still got the likes of Lamptey in there. I still got Cucurelli in there. Basuma in there. No um, Trossard, the big man. No, I sold him early because he he didn't fit the formation I was building. I, I went with a four four two, and he couldn't adapt to being the left midfielder. So I sold him in the first January, I think, to Leicester for about thirty mil. Four four two, pure Brexit. Not anymore, so I'm a, a 4-3-3 counter-attacking system now. I've got some... Okay. They, they, with Europe, they give me about 75 million a season. Oh, decent. And I tend to just now buy one big player with that money and then go to South America to fill out the rest of my team. The old Wunderkin. Yeah, so I, I've got um, like Florian Wirtz I brought from Germany. I've got Smith Rowe in there as well. Uh, Sander Birch from Sheffield and lovely little midfield there. So we're mm. going well. When we finish fourth um, this season, no, so nice. on to next season we go. Um, but yeah, I got too carried away with that. I meant to start um, hostage at eleven, and I ended up starting as I said about half one. <laughs> um, yeah, I had, I had I was having a. Um, Red Bull while watching the film as well, which I do think contributed because those early scenes, I was like, I'm all in here. I'm getting quite pumped up. Yeah, that's fucking off your tits. <laughs> drinking Red Bull at half one in the morning. That's not doing speed. <laughs> or Bruce Willis doing his thing. Um, all right, what have we got left for the critics to use? Um, Willis manages to be the best thing in the picture and largely because of him, I was willing to overlook the plot's ridiculous loopholes and exaggerations. Of course he's the best thing in the fucking picture. <laughs> he's made he's just made a film for him to be in and be like, Yes, I am Bruce Willis. Look at me, please. That's uh, like that's all this is. And finally, movies can be smart movies masquerading as stupid ones. This may be the smartest stupid movie you see all year. Either way, it's just what you're looking for. My guy Kim Coates is in this. There's, this just I think is one of Ben Foster's first um like legit films that he gets to do the cycling gk no no not, not that one although it's a very different film if it is <laughs> the the ben foster in this is actually dating uh the daughter that's held hostage at the time of filming hmm. uh very few bits of trivia then so literally three bits um bruce willis's daughter in the movie amanda was actually played by his real life daughter rumor willis um, she wanted the part, but Bruce made her audition like everyone else, and she did end up getting it. <laughs> Fucking yeah, mate. Yeah, just got to go and audition. Oh, yeah, do you want to, got to be fair? For bollocks. It's not much of a role to have to. She's basically just a grumpy in one scene where he's like, what was it? Did... Uh, 
I don't know if you're in a bad mood because of me or my tater top casserole and she's just like fuck off. It's just <laughs> Did you just say her, her first name is Rumour? As in R-U-M-O-U-R? No, R-U-M-E-R. Pronounced the same, so. Okay, fair enough. Um, so we end up seeing a bit of this as uh, like security camera footage, but in the script, Mars and Dennis first rob a grocery store and kill the owner before fleeing, and they just choose the Smith house at random to hide there from the police. Whereas in the film, obviously, they deliberately invade the Smith house and following them home, follow them yeah. home with the intention of stealing their car. Um, the scene where Mars is ultimately set on fire by dropping a Molotov cocktail by his feet um, was cut slightly because of the racing. The initial scene was supposed to have a close-up shot of Mars's face melting off the bone. But the director said the scene was too much. Yeah, I, yeah fair enough. I mean, <laughs> fuck you know. Well, some of the critique in this film is that just it's just like violent for the sake of it just like your guy being like thrown off the top of the stairs and like twitching at the bottom of the stairs people always hate it when you kill any kind of animal in a film um, mm. despite the fact there's 16 other bodies in this film um, like that was the main critique really was that it was just unnecessarily violent um, if we were to have a look through the film I thought just the opening alone the titles to me look like something like Sin City. Yeah, very fair. It was like very like video game esque in the way that they do the kind of zoom through the walls to see him on the phone, which he slams down, and then just a quick zoom straight back out mm. to um, the sniper on top of the building. It yeah. was like something like the Hitman game. Yeah, the, the way they did that, I I'm shocked looking back now that you didn't get some kind of, when they show the blueprint of the house, like that kind of layout where they zoom in and then you're going to see the little kid in the vents. Like it was that kind of film, the way it was set out. It just, they just only seem to use it in the first like five minutes and then they just change the kind of way it's filmed completely after that. We spoke previously, I think we spoke about it in Batman and Robin where essentially like they put glasses um on poison ivy before she's poison ivy just to show this is here yeah. when she wasn't good looking and now she's suddenly good looking um they just put like the scraggiest hair on bruce willis that they possibly can and then <laughs> and then just cut to him being bold to be like time has passed since this has happened yeah yeah it's it's not it's not great mate let's be honest i also what a 75 do you want a budget for this was i've just given it away 75 mil and they make what just over that i think i read yeah but 75 mil <laughs> like studios have done mid-sized budget pictures obviously in the indie films made for less than this but 75 million can we just Indeed, talk about we, this i think you can see where it's spent to be honest this is nicholas pepper <laughs> i'm wondering <laughs> i'm wondering where that's gone there is literally the house is literally on a giant rock. <laughs> like it looks like something out of like King Kong, the way this house is positioned when they zoom out. It's like the whole thing is just a waste of money. These shots of like the house security just shutting down with everything just uh, pumping down really quickly on it. I think you can see where the money has gone in uh, 
in this film. Okay. So I'm just going to give you, I'm just going to say something to you. What you, you've already mentioned it. Do you know what the other film Bruce Willis made in six in 2005 was? Is it that Sunshine one? No, it's Sin City. Oh. So he did, he, 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 he was in this. Do you, do, do you think the budget for Sin City was more or less than that of Hostage? I would probably, to be fair, it's about double I would, uh, the Sin City would spend. Okay. Sin City, the budget was £40 million. Oh, yeah. And look at the cast you've got. Just take away Jessica yeah. for a moment before I lose you. Um, Benicio, Benicio, Brittany Murphy, Clive Owen... Mickey Rourke, Bruce Willis, Elijah Woods. Elijah Woods in the... Uh, no, he's Elijah Woods post Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Probably probably when he's got his most fucking juice in the world. Little girl, Brittany Murphy. Mm, he's just finished being Frodo. 40 mil. Do you know what I mean? I'm just saying... Yeah, we're doing that two weeks, actually, since it. We are. We are indeed. I mean... Yeah, man, I, yeah that, that's shocking. I'm shook, though. <laughs> like, I was expecting when I looked at the budget for it to be about... 15 mil, and then I'd be like, Yeah, fair enough. I can see that. <laughs> can we go back to the first scene? Because look, no matter how good you are at your job, when there is a woman and kid being held hostage by a guy who is continually saying, I'm going to do it, man, like it's not like he suddenly flipped. Yeah, and this he's is this down is poor. Combing his beard, <laughs> it seems only in the final 30 seconds does he realize the sincerity of the situation, it just jumps so quickly. He's led down, combing his beard, and his chief comes over and goes, I think you might be losing him. We have the opportunity to get the kid out here, which mm-hmm. I did write down to ask what you would do in that situation. When, when the big man comes over... a 100% chance of saving the kid, the, the, the woman's at 20. Do, do you back your source? Do you back the fact, I'm this good of a hostage negotiator, I can smooth my way out of this? Or do you say, we save the kid? Take the shot. Take the shot. Save the kid. It's not even taking shot that, but they're breaking in basically and just banking the. No, no, sorry. Before. But before that, sorry. When I, what I mean is, yeah. he comes over. He says, "Look, my lads have got a shot. Can we take? Can I take it? Yeah, let let <laughs> let it go." <laughs> I, I don't know how stupid um, Tally thinks the guy is in the house, but standing saying, "Please come to the window for me." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just need to see your face for a moment. Just. <laughs> Just want to look you in the eye. Yeah, it's no surprise the guy gets pushed over the edge. Like, it's just awful hostage negotiation at that point. It's like piss poor, to be fair. Um, it's, it was weird seeing Bruce Willis with long hair as well. By the way, I don't know why they needed to go that far. Just put like a little bit on top and then shave it off. Like we don't need the full. Hair That's a gr- beard. It's a great barnet, isn't it? <laughs> Um, I love there, there was a, one of the bits of trivia was like just to confirm this wasn't Bruce Willis's real hair, and I, I didn't need you to tell me that. To be honest. No, funnily enough, I've seen him bold. I saw him bold, almost bold in 1988. I still didn't think, I didn't think hair transplants were that good in 05. But like, oh, maybe Bruce, did, maybe do Bruce did just lay it down. As I said, the the house on the rock is already just mental. Um, I don't know what kind of charmer Mars thinks he is. But the complete offence by the fact that a girl who's in full uniform, by the way, is yeah. completely charmed just by the fact that he's making blowjob signals at her. And she doesn't just walk over to his car. Well, no, dad's in the other car, by the way. Yeah. And just jump straight in. 
he takes complete offence to because his mate's like, ooh, doesn't want that then. That is mate's first reaction is she's a child. <laughs> so, oh yeah, maybe maybe just what 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 do you think you're doing? That's a child. There's there's a weird thing in this film and I, the whole way through it, and it's like the whole film essentially plays um, for the two-hour duration and probably for about an hour and a half of it of, mm. is this girl going to be raped? Is something that they play on... Yeah, it's creepy, isn't it? Throughout. It's very weird because I'm, I'm probably going to sound worse here, but it's kind of like, if that's the way you're going with this film... Don't say it. You'd almost... Well, just... Are you is essentially you're gonna gonna re, you're gonna refer to this as anticlimactic now? Is that no, what you're gonna not say? Not at all. Not at all. I'm saying if that's the direction you're going with the film, then go that direction of the film, and we can say whether we don't want to see that or not. Just the weird kind of like. So that's really it, that's it, that is exactly what you're saying. No, it's not at all. It's not at all. <laughs> I'm basically I'm basically saying it, it's weird to just kind of hold that over the audience as a. Is this going to happen? Because they could easily dangle this as, is he just going to ice the kid? Is he, is he going to kill the girl because she isn't just totally infatuated by him? It's just weird the way they kind of dangle it over you like, is it going to happen this time? Is it going to happen this time? And then, obviously, unfortunately, it, it doesn't happen. But I just thought, and I mean, I'm not the only person to say it, it's just weird the way they kind of play it in this. And they do build the suspense very well. It's just like, I don't know. It, it just feels a bit odd. I don't know. It does, uh, and again, it's a very dark thought, so apologies, but does them playing it that way build the suspense and lead to Mars looking more of a psychopath than if the if the vibe was he was just going to ice her? You, you, you are right in that it, it does certainly build it. It's just, yeah, it feels weird because the way they do it is almost in the way of like when it gets to the end, it's like we were never going to do that. What were you, what were you thinking about? Why, why do you think we we're going to do that? I don't know because they kind of build it up, don't they? As they essentially have the gesture at first, and then the second time he tries giving her the cigarette, and then. The third time he's coming back in and he's asking her, like, you don't ask to be scared around me. And then it escalates to the point where, like, he's tying her up on the bed. And it's like, oh, really, this is bizarre. Actually, yeah. All's well that ends well. I wrote down while watching this, and I don't know if you agree. I don't think you need the whole subplot of Bruce Willis's family's taken hostage as well. I don't think it brings anything to the film. I think if the whole thing is he's got the PTSD from the fact that um, he's let a mother and child die on his watch before when he was the negotiator. Maybe you had another scene in where he's basically asked to do the negotiating and he says something like, I can't, I can't do that again. I I can't go back to that, whatever. And then you still have, because you don't really feel any tension towards his family. The tension is really what's going on in the house and they do the prison break thing. And they've got the guy from Prison Break in there. Of like the kid in the vents. Are they going to come back in there? Are they going to catch um, him on the phone to tally? You've got the news thing going on. Them shutting it down to the completely armoured building. I thought it was just... I didn't think you needed it. I thought it just added another distraction. And I think 
by the time they're safe and they've got them at the house, I think that's what the critics um, and other people are kind of referring to, where it's like you've just got these other loose ends that they kind of have to take care of. I don't know. They've done I mean, just for that final scene of him just like headshotting three people. Like, I, I don't. I well, it's done. Really. It's done in a way. It starts off to be to explaining why they picked the house, and then obviously they send the watchman to do his thing. Well, I suppose, the maybe kids, you take... the kids don't pick the house for that. But it's almost just a coincidence that the kids don't know anything about. No, what's sorry. Going on. That's why it's all a bit like there's kind of just too many coincidences going on. Because even to the point where they're referencing this isn't like LA all those years back, and you kind of are thinking, okay, is there something to do with? Is it going to be like the brother of? the guy that was killed in that situation and he's blaming him that he should have got in there first, is it? I just thought, I'd have been, I I had no tension towards his family. The tension for me watching the film is, are the the two kids going to get out of the house alive? Yeah. No, that part, that that is, that's a very valid point. I didn't think you needed the the extra bit in there. If anything, take that vastage too which obviously we don't get, but you know what no. I mean. I, I just didn't think it was really required in this. Like Even just when you read the synopsis, it feels jumbled. The it does. Thing, yeah, the family's does. held hostage, former negotiator has to arrive at the scene, and then it's like, okay, that sounds like a good film. It's how his own family's kidnapped and he has to decide which is more important. It's like, just, you don't need this. What, um, what do you do instead? What do you fill it with? I don't, I don't think you need the other thing. I think you just... No, no, that's what I'm saying, but if you take... take Okay. All right, I think it's enough. just more tension within the house, and he has maybe more failed attempts trying to get in. You can build the character of Mars more, where you can say about because they kind of do the little thing, don't they? Like he's not speaking to him; he's he's wanting to see him die. You could probably do more with um, the things inside the house, of um, like the panic room and things like that, and you could have more of a scene of him trying to get them out when the whole thing's burning and they're trapped in this panic room. Don't know. We, I'm not the guys having to put the film together. Just watching it, it just felt a bit clunky with um, these things in there. Okay, fair enough. It is taken from a novel, so I guess they're just playing there. But I don't think it's the most um, original thing when they can make a film like this unless they're using that book. No, fair enough. I just hadn't. I, I, I don't know. It was just another, another part of it for me. I didn't have many. I didn't find any. I didn't really find any of it any more or less objectionable than the other parts. I wrote down while watching it. Might be a bit harsh now. Um, a few whacks to the head in films, and you're done. Basically, like I put down, these guys just have no chin. Like it's he's pretty. He's he's, he's needing the ambulance. He's been hit in the head a few times. Like you can take a battery in other films, and you can completely sound this guy few whacks to the dome and he's done for <laughs> um, and then suddenly he's fine by the way he gets this one shot and he's able to go in and perform some like military style operation um, to take out this organisation um, he's been working with yeah I, that's, I think they have the whole subplot just to film that scene at the end with him being bagged up and then he's crying at the end with his family um, I think that's that's the main reason because it's, I don't know. I don't know. Possibly be right, mate. Again, it's 
gives Willis one last showcase, doesn't it, in this? Yeah, Mars, by the way, becomes like a military-trained assassin when the building starts burning. He's hanging from the ceiling at one point and throwing Molotov cocktails. The guy is a savage. Give me his origin story over Capone's with Nicolas Cage. (laughs) Yeah, it's... um, Yeah, I mean... Like, yeah, that that's what makes the drop just like, oh, okay. He goes I from, like you say, from one hand, one hand fucking throwing absolute darts to just slipping one on the yeah. deck. Uh, we spoke for two hours basically about all the bad things about Batman, but I, I enjoyed that. And this, there's a lot of things you can poke fun at. I did enjoy the film for as long as I was watching. And I guess that's the point with these films is you worry about things after yeah, at the time is you just take it for what it is yeah fair so i was very tense when he's chasing him through the vents <laughs> hurry up get the hell out of there that's definitely come from willis as well by the way <laughs> yeah I, I put them my notes these just have a little wink at diehard yeah i that that's that is genuinely what that is do you think i mean we we've read about the scene where they're having to um, take away Mars's face melting off the bone makes you think what other things they were planning to do in this that maybe they had to cut maybe there was going to be a lot more inside the house and things like that and then they were only kept in what they can very possibly mate I mean I, but that does that is just gratuitous isn't it yeah, melt, like... do you think it and I'm going back to what we said about um the daughter earlier do you think it limits what they can do later in the film by the fact that they start her in a school uniform because that just makes it a bit weirder than doesn't it like in very few films and i guess the untouchables is partly uh, in the minority there in that you do very you do see like a six-year-old girl just getting blown up at the start of the film but even at the start of hostage um, when the kid dies it's very rare that you will see that taking place. I think you you, you see his last breath more than you see um, yeah. like him being shot or something like that. Yeah. The fact that they show her in school uniform, I don't know if that like they're never going to have anything too bad happening in terms of they do. If they literally just have her as I see you can do it eighteen in America and she's whinging that she wants some money to go out to a sport brat or whatever. Mm. Well, it's all so. I mean, like training days another one. It's looks as though it's going to be, and then it's stopped, doesn't it? Yeah. But I do. Yeah. It, 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 no. Still, I want it to happen. I'm just. It's like. It, no, no. It just, no. Make, it just makes everything a bit weirder when they do start it like that. Uh yes, it does. Yeah. Did what it said on the tip. Yeah, I mean, if it was they, ultimately a film about hostage negotiation. If they. Tomorrow they secretly uh, announced that we made Hostage 2. Going to be out tomorrow in cinemas and on demand. Would you give it two hours of your time? No. You wouldn't give Hostage 2 two hours of your time? No. You've got to be watching worse films for two hours than Hostage 2. I honestly don't believe I am. It does happen, Bruce. I'll make it my wild card. I would... I would rather make and I'd rather make more time to watch a better film. I'm not even talking about the, I'm not even talking about like great films. Let's see um, which set of films we put this this in with when we did it. The Untouchables and Hostage would it have been drama. You reckon? Or Can't remember. Thriller? This was your pick. 
It was, but I think we moved it because we had to fit it in with the uh, categories. Right, Jeff, so I'll give it the we'll give it the action thriller treatment. Um, all right, mm, we're a bit rusty after twenty days off. So, you know, I can't. I just can't find my um, original um, notes with uh, the breakdown. Um, which did you prefer? The Untouchables. I actually enjoyed Hostage more. Christ. And I do think Hostage is more rewatchable as well. I would rather watch The, the Untouchables. Rewatch rather. Um, best moment slash scene. Unlike you, I like the courtroom scene. Uh, I would also give you the baseball bat in The Untouchables, obviously. Um, Capone giving his interview. Mine would be um, the Untouchables. I I quite enjoyed um, Sean Connery's uh, negotiation tactic of shooting the dead body to uh, convince their hostage that he needs to talk. Mm. Uh, the scene at the I don't know if you would call it a farmhouse. after he's don't clean him up until after he's uh, given us the info. Yeah, let's see. Um, if it, you want to call it the farmhouse, whatever you want to call it, scene the when they're out there shoot yeah. out us. That's meant. The Untouchables is your answer. Uh, best quote. I want him dead. I want his family dead. I, I quite enjoyed in um, Hostage. Um, it's just fucking rich people when all the uh, shutters start coming down. I, I, the, well, that my favourite quote is not because of the words. That's just because of De Niro's delivery. I do absolutely love that. I want him dead. Uh, MVP Jim Malone That's Sean Connery It is Yeah I agree uh, Best side character um, Depends what you give me as a side character mate Who do you want as a side character? Um, do you like Billy Drago? Uh, your man with the glasses Your man with the glasses Around the, the lawyer Andy Garcia. The guy, that, the guy that brings up the uh, get him on tax charges. Uh, Stone. Yeah, George Stone. Do some research, will you? I've well, got it in front of me, but he looks a lot different now in his IMDb picture than he does in the film. Who, Andy Garcia? Yeah. Do you not know who Andy Garcia is? I didn't know him as uh, George Stone, no. Jeez, honestly. Um, he's doing the Expendables 4, by the way. <laughs> Christ alive. Fair enough. Right age of... 62. 62? I don't know, I was taking a guess. Yeah, 65. Yeah, I'll give you George Stone. I like that. That's not bad. Who are you taking? No, I'll I'll take George Stone. Ah. I wasn't sure. Which which film had you on the edge of your seat more? By default, Hostage. Because I knew what was going to happen in The Untouchable, so I wasn't on the edge of my seat. Action per minute. The Untouchables. Blow me. Can't think that's blasphemous to Bruce. Really? And there's more bang for your buck in hostage. There's not. There is. There's not going on. There's not. You've got a lot lot more chatting going on in uh, The Untouchables. Uh, At least it's somewhat exciting. There's so much of hostage that's just fucking (laughs) dross, mate. Best soundtrack. The Untouchables. Originality. Um, bit of an odd one, that, isn't it? I'd probably take the Untouchables in terms of that style of film. 
it's okay. Yeah, one yeah. is more done from the side of glamorizing the mob, which so it's unusual to see it from the other way around. Yeah, yeah, fair. Oh, oh, okay, yeah, this that's a good shape. Bigger impact. The Untouchables. Best opening scene. The Untouchables. Best ending. Hostage. And best chemistry. The Untouchables. It's referee. 8-2. The final score. Let me just see which side of the bracket that was on, actually. Let's see if the uh, it continues. I'll have to look after. It's not opening up my fixture list. Have you ever seen... Sorry. Cool. No, no, you carry on. I was going to ask you if you'd ever seen The Negotiator. That's Samuel Jackson. Yeah. No, I haven't. It's a good film. I'm sure I'd like it. Yeah, it's good. Got 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 kept space in it though. I know how you feel about it. These days, I think there's only one way you can feel about him. To be honest. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I know you don't. Um, you don't necessarily watch stuff that he's in now. No, it doesn't really. Hold uh, me from from that standpoint. It just feels a bit weird going out to bat for him. I still wouldn't stop me watching Seven or something like that. Um. So it was on the left side. So the left side does continue to uh, go strong. Um, and next week we will be into Rounders versus Molly's game. If I had to make a prediction, the left side's going to win that as well. To see how it stacks up with uh, the categories. Yeah, that's what I mean. I'm just saying. Yeah, big fan of Molly's game as well. So I'll I'm a, a I'm a big fa- I'm a big fan of Molly's game. I'm also a big fan of Rounders. Yeah, same. Um, not sure if it'll be just us two or if anyone else will be on. Um, we'll see how we go. And then Sin City versus History of Violence. And then Growth Point Blank versus the other guys. So uh, it's, uh, January is a good month in terms of films for the pod, actually. Oh, okay. Rounders Molly's Game, Sin City History of Violence, Growth Point Blank, the other guys, and Den of Thieves versus Hell, of, versus Hell or High Water. Honestly, Growth Point Blank versus the other guys. What a week that is. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching the other guys again, to be honest. The disrespect's Growth Point Blank. I've not seen it, so I can't say whether I'm looking forward to seeing it again or not because I haven't seen it in the first place. Did you not watch it when I told you to watch it all those years ago? It wasn't all those years ago. It was last year, and no, I didn't. It's interesting. You always Did dig you me out for you always dig me out for not listening to your claims, but well, all you rec- In fact, I'm pretty sure TK watched it, and then whilst talking about it between you, you were both just saying that I wouldn't like it, so. I don't think I went out of my way. Sensational film. We'll see, won't we? Great director. Yeah. But until then, thank you again for listening to another episode of Movie Madness. Um, if any of this has been um, slightly off the ball, we'll put it down to uh, Christmas period. What do you mean uh, slightly off the ball? You told me I was, <laughs> I was being a bit sloppy earlier, so... Uh, Oh, sorry, yeah, a little bit off the page. Yeah, I don't say off the ball, though. I'd just say you know, a little bit of ring rust. Um, that won't be the case for Rounders on Moyes game. I might even start my prep now, make sure I'm on the ball. But anyway, thanks again for listening. We'll be back.